Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the crypto hipster, where I bring you uh, founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, artists globally in crypto and blockchain industry. And today um, I have an amazing guest. Um, he is the founder or creator of Esservanum. His name is Jonathan Dixon. He is an artist. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Just saying thanks very much for uh, giving me a chance. It's great because as an artist, you spend most of your waking hours uh, holed up in the studio, nobody to share your thoughts and ideas. To, so it's it's great to be able to get an opportunity to um, kind of have a chat about it and tease some stuff out because sometimes you end up learning from by talking about what you're doing. You can learn a lot from it as well, which is always nice. So it's a pleasure to have a chat with you. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let me let me start out and ask you the first question is this. What is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? <laughs> That's actually really, really interesting because my immediate reaction um, for this particular project is probably not necessarily um, a logical background for what I'm doing now. But then if I start delving uh, deeper into it, I would have to say, yeah. Um, and that's due to my background. So my background is I worked for, say, 20, about 25 years or so as a graphic designer um, and illustrator. So I was in various creative agencies. Um, I didn't intend to be a graphic designer when I went into college. My first love was always fine art and painting and creative kind of expression of my, what goes on in my head. So I kind of ended up almost by default. Um, going ending up doing a visual communication degree in college and then ending up in various design studios and in the beginning i was um very much working in creative kind of studios so that kept my head in check and i really really enjoyed kind of doing that and then i ended up in branding um and that was much more um technical graphic design where you're designing for products that have to be used across multi languages and multi like branding for different um say company identity has to be used across a whole wide range of different applications so it was a lot of technical kind of stuff and that was really really nice for a while but um after a few years of doing that the creative uh, little tap tap tapping in the back of my head got louder and louder um so in 2015 Sorry, just before 2015, I, I'd spent a couple of years kind of ramping myself back up into being a painter. Um, and I kind of that that started taking me over more and more. So in 2016, I just decided, right, I'm going to just quit the job and become a full time artist. Um, and that's basically the background. And that's and since then, from then to now, I've been just completely immersed in art and loving it. So and then I end up doing this. So. So is that okay? Oh, that's great because we have a similarity there. So I just wanted to know for your perspective, like you're sitting there in a corporate desk, right? And then you want to be an artist and you are an artist and you're sitting there in a corporate desk. So that must have been like for me 
I did that for 20 years and it was a pain. So I just wanted to find out how you felt when you were there and, and what was the final straw that, that, you know, that made you, you know, make a decision to, to focus fully on art. What was the final straw? <laughs> That's actually, do you know what? It's actually very funny. Um, it was one of these, it's comical. I was sitting down um, on the couch with my wife and we just watched um, a movie about Vincent van Gogh and his life. And he's one of my heroes. And immediately when the credits for the movie rolled up, I just went, it just like a light bulb went off in my head. And I went, I'm in the wrong job. I'm in the wrong career. I'm in the wrong place. I'm supposed to be an artist. And literally um, from that day to this, it, a switch clicked and I didn't go back. So from, from the day, from the evening that had happened, I um the very next day I got up and I just got a whole pile of art materials. I ordered them online and I literally stuck to my guns and I just started painting and painting and drawing and getting my skill set back up and then kind of set about a loose plan to um eventually leave the design industry behind. So that took almost 10 years from the time that light bulb went off. It took 10 years, no, not 10 years, sorry, it took um seven years um of working at night still doing the design during the day and then working at night painting and painting and it was like the more i did it the more i realized this is what i'm supposed to do so yeah it was one of those comical light bulb kind of moments <laughs> and you mentioned your wife how did your wife take it um completely and totally supportive um and said i completely agree with you that you should have done this a long time ago which is great because um to have that kind of support is really really important because i understand as well like you have commitments and your financial commitments and everything and it's not you don't just do it i think she believed it more than i did at the beginning and believed in my ability to be able to do it so um i was kind of surprised she was so supportive to be honest i kept going Are you sure and she was like no no go for it just do it because it's the thing to do so and it's worked out so the number one the number one killer of entrepreneurship is not the bad market it is an unsupportive spouse so um <laughs> you know i'll have to take your word on that so yeah no i suppose it's just it's i'm very lucky as well that you know i i i don't take it lightly i'm really really appreciative of it as well so i kind of i think about that a lot i'm gonna go gosh it is a good position to be in as well so yeah i agree so i want to get into your current exhibition um Ever Vadim, ever you you pronounce it Ezra Vadim, Ezra Vadim, yes, yeah, which is metaverse backwards, right? Um, yes, it is. So, what is that all about? What inspired you to create it? How's it going? Okay, so there's actually two strands to the exhibition as well. The overall title is Ezra Vadim, and there's two parts inside it. One is a series of uh, pieces that I created called Elements. And the other one is the whole pro is the whole project about how memories, um, how I experience memories and how I visualize them. So the elements part of it was the first project that I got my head into this whole space. So it was actually the um, co-owner of the Kildare Gallery, um, Ken. We had a discussion about it just over a year ago. Um, he was he started talking to me about blockchain and um, the technology behind it and everything about it and he knew that i'd done a couple of um 
commissions for Intel, the European headquarters of Intel in Ireland, I got my head into tech because I'm really interested in tech anyway, becoming from a design background, I'm a Mac freak. So, um, but he, he, he kind of knew that I, I'd be interested in this kind of technology. So we basically, we met up one afternoon, we started talking about it. And he told me, started telling me about blockchain and cryptocurrency. And he was more interested in the whole blockchain and the new technology that was come that was, you know, enabling what was being enabled by it. So the more he started talking to me, the more my head started lighting up. And I thought, this has got massive potential for artistic mining. So um, not to put a pun on the mining thing, but I really um my head gets lit up by creative uh, possibilities. So I'm not really interested in anything beyond that. So um, I went home and I started thinking about um, what I could do with this technology and how it could affect me and how it's going to affect the world and everything. So the first thing I did was the elements are, um, it'll probably take a bit long to explain the entire thing on a podcast, but the short of it is that I've created, um, I've used, the, the elements pieces are, I've made like a digital um, that there's a, an aesthetic element inside a code and it can take on as many forms as there are imaginations to allow it to do so. So the elements pieces were a starting point from that. So with the elements pieces, I turned a piece of coding into a digital painting and a painting into a piece of digital code. So the elements pieces end up as being visual um versions of what an ADA transaction code looks like. So I wrote an algorithm um, to extract images from this key painting that I did. I kind of made an abstract painting of all these painted squares and then I turned it into a matrix and I took an ADA transaction code and then extracted numbers and letters out of that and sequenced them in a certain way and applied them to this painting. So the image that you get is a visual representation of a transaction code. So it's like on-chain um, aesthetics. So I'm very interested in the fact that there's uh, the beauty of maths and aesthetics is everywhere. And I believe like that science, art and maths and engineering are all the same, you know, they're all slightly different expressions of the same thing. It's how humans make sense of the world around them and how we kind of either visualize it or try to make sense of it. So um, that was that part of it. So the next part of the project was based on that. How um, after I did this, I, I had to do a lot of research into blockchain and how the whole kind of technology works. So as I was doing it, I started realizing that with what we're doing in technology at the minute and what we're going to be doing with, with blockchain um, and all the information gathering that we're doing and the way we're storing it is we're almost creating this um, a digital version of our memories. Um, data centers are full of the hopes and dreams of everybody around the world. It's also full of bad kind of stuff as well. But as an artist, I kind of, my head exploded thinking they were almost creating this. It is, in a sense, it's, a, it's, it's not the Facebook version of Metaverse. I mean, this actual entire um, virtual world that's, it's not being created or contrived. It's just there because it, there's information there, the same way as the entire of the universe all of our molecules and our atoms and our cells are just, we exist because of the proximity of a certain amount of uh, atoms and molecules. 
and it's just this proximity that has turned us into what we are so every part of me exists somewhere else in the universe physically as well and then i thought that digital consciousness exists inside all of these um data centers with all the information that's being stored and that kind of got me thinking then then how do i store my own memories so my own memories the say the experiences that cause my memories are immutable so they're a fixed happening that happened at a you know a particular time uh, in my life so that never changes but my memory of that can change and my reaction to it can change so memories are the experience of memory is mutable and i wanted to then I kind of went on further from it and I started to think, well, how do I, when I'm sitting down having a memory of something, what does that look like and what does it feel like? Because a lot of times, you know, we're, we're, you know, if we were reminiscing about something and talking about, it, remember that time I went on holidays and I did this, that and the other, and you're talking about this stuff. Well, I kind of sat down and started thinking, well, how, what does it look like in my head when I'm in the middle of a recall? And could I recreate that as uh, visual art? So I did just that. I sat down and I started thinking about memories that are very important to me and strong to me. So I started visual. It's, it just came in. It, it kind of, um, they, they say the finished pieces that I've done look like what it looks like to me in my head when I'm thinking about these things, that the memories are fluid um, and they're not always fully formed and they sometimes change abruptly and different things will come in and spark them. So, you know, sometimes if you're, <clears throat> for me, color uh, can spark memories. So if I'm, if I see a color, uh, a very strong color, and it might remind me of something that I, happened to me as a child or something that I saw as a child, I get this, like this flash in my head and you start reliving, it sets off this little tape running in your head and you go through the lived experience. So, and I took, the, the pieces were realized. So I took, um, as a, an artist, I've been gathering images and visuals for years. I kind of like taking photographs, drawing, sketching, painting. So I have this massive data bank, so to speak, for want of a better term, of images that, I, that are mine. But because they're all scattered and all around, the same way as a data center, my images are, they form all my memories and they have everything. So I wanted to coalesce them into these uh, concrete images. Um, I also wanted to um, finish physical pieces to be, because they're physical, they're, they're each piece is an NFT that goes along with it. Um, but they're also very substantial physical pieces. So they've been photographically printed and they're mounted on aluminium and they're covered. They're encapsulated in like a thick kind of acrylic coating. So they're actual physical objects now. So the the, ter the name for the um, exhibition or the this whole project, Ezra Vatum, is I feel like I've gone into a, t a metaverse of sorts, which is my own one, my own store of memories and ideas, and I've brought them back out again. So I've done the opposite of what seems to be happening in the digital world, where the real world seems to be morphing into the digital world, and people are becoming more, uh, some people's realities are more, um, realized in their digital existence and sometimes a lot of people we only know through their digital existence like you for example i only see you and hear you as data but i can make sense of your face because of the algorithms that make the camera turn your face back into a visual and i find that fascinating so my take on it is the reverse where i've gone into this world and come back out and that's why i wanted to have substantial physical pieces so i've come back out 
of uh, of the this metaverse so to speak and brought stuff back out to show that it's not a one-way um street it's very very much two-way and if you extrapolate that further it's a cyclical uh, we'll go into this space and come back out again and it all because of our timeline it changes and influences and affects us positively so i see the whole thing is such a the changes that are happening with the technology that's coming i know there are uh, sinister uses and there can be negative uh, connotations from but overall i think it's incredible what's happening and it just blows my mind so that's basically it that's great um you brought that's a very interesting concept so um using algorithms to let's try to get this right using algorithms to create digital consciousness which in turn could be our own metaverse not the metaverse facebook tells us it is a metaverse but actually our own yeah. metaverse to go into <laughs> be there pray in the present and step back out and then create something tangible from our experiences in our own metaverses i got that right yeah, yeah. pretty much so i'm just blown away here <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> how how i was gonna ask you how digital consciousness and our memories are are intertwined you know um or how to you know or you know how are they intertwined and how can we generate that rent how, how, how can we generate you know digital copies of ourselves i guess um it's really i suppose that's a jesus that there's a that's a tough question isn't it but it do you know it's because of the amount of um it's like at the minute i think we're we're creating the we have the it's almost like the primordial soup when life started so we have this mass mess of uh noisy um data and i think it's gonna it could either form itself um or I, I I'd like to think that it'll a spark will uh, set it off, and the digital consciousness will actually start. Um, it's almost like the universal consciousness of the universe. It's not. It's consciousness. It's not in the traditional senses, in you know, sentient and self-aware and stuff. But if, it depends, I suppose, what your definition of consciousness is. But it could be sparked by itself. It could uh, reach a tipping point where the amount of information. If it start if if it started um, cross communicating with itself, not 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 a, by a contrivance, just that it happens to form. You could actually, in theory, have uh, a, a con it's like the planet becomes Hal from <laughs> the space odyssey, and there's no reason why it couldn't or shouldn't either. And there's nothing to I don't think there's nothing to fear from it either. I think it could be um, we're amassing, you know, the amount of data that's being amassed every day um and how it's being changed and how it's being exchanged there's no reason why something shouldn't spark and something could you know uh, something could happen with it um or else i'm talking nonsense either so there's always that prospect <laughs> it's not nonsense you know it's it's national um national uh global uh mental health awareness month may the month of may you know so i'm wondering you know what role that memories or the getting back into your positive memories in your life could play in overcoming depressions and other mental health issues um 
you know, and tapping into that creative memory side, what role do you think that could play? Straight away, huge, massively positive role. Um, I have a big, um, I've, I'm running another, I'm also um, a painter as well, and I'm actually using um, the goings on in my head. So I do, I'm doing, working on a huge series of forest paintings and I mean work, it's like in the Northern Romantic, Northern European Romanticism, where they use like um, nature as a metaphor for the human condition. So I'm very much tapped into the mental health part of things. Um, and I actually use anxiety and depression directly in my work. So the thing that I think is that, and I think it's a huge thing that goes on in our world at the minute. I've, you know, this thing where they call it like toxic happiness, where everybody's supposed to be happy all the time and you can't be depressed and you can't be sad and you can't. But I think um, based on what we were talking about earlier, the gamut of uh, memories, um, the memories that I've taken in these pieces that I've made, they run the full gamut of happy and sad. Some of them are devastating and some of them are really painful and hurtful. But I think we're supposed to feel all of those emotions. Um, and I think the way to deal say with you know given that this is mental health awareness month the way to deal with it is certainly not to try and get rid of it and certainly not to shy away from it it's actually um take it full on and try and work your way through it by actually acknowledging that sometimes you're supposed to feel sad and you're supposed to feel down and you're supposed to feel anxious that these are simply um like sadness is the flip side of happiness they both belong on the same coin there's no real difference between the two and we almost have this culture that teaches us that um everything is not okay unless it's happy and everything is not okay unless it's bright i kind of i enjoy the darker side of things and i use anxiety as a very positive tool it's incredibly positive for focusing you because if you if you shy away from anxiety, it can cause you all sorts of problems, but you actually embrace what it does. Anxiety increases your adrenaline, increases your heart rate, and increase your concentration. So if you can get your head around thinking that there's certain times in your life when that's actually of benefit to you, and as a visual artist, the intensity at which you can paint when you're having those feelings goes through the roof. So it's actually a very positive thing. And I, I don't say this in any... Um, kind of offhand or blase way i've first-hand experience of everything that i'm talking about so absolutely i think um the memories of stuff like you know living them and feeling them the more you feel stuff the more you get used to it so i think that's uh i could probably ramble on about this a bit but is that have you got enough there do you think oh i got more than enough <laughs> what you just said that was great um I, I do want to circle back to to your wife, right? Yeah. Uh, with this um, new technology and the new metaverse, and what's the role of traditional like, relationships and our our our, rela our memories of our relationships with our with our spouses and partners and family? Um, I I don't know exactly what you mean, but I think I don't think anything changes. Um, I think everything is the same, and I think um. The I kind of see. I know people are saying like the world is changing beyond beyond all recognition in one way. But if you peel back the layers, where everything is the exact same, um, you know, on a on a deep down level. And I think um, 
the so I, I suppose with the way the world has changed, I mean, you know, like the way people date and meet each other and all that kind of stuff, like, yeah, that's kind of changed in a way, but it hasn't, it hasn't, because very quickly um, how people meet each other, um, whether it's through meeting in a bar or meeting online or meeting or anything like that, that, that quickly falls away and who they are as people, that they'll either connect or they won't. Is that, is that what you mean or have I gone off the point? It, no, it is what I what I meant. But how does that inspire you for your artwork today? Your relationships with your wife twenty years ago. How did that a, apply to the creation of your artwork today? Oh, how's it okay? Because um, I suppose it's be becoming very very aware of when you're. Um, I suppose as an artist, you you think way too much, <laughs> more than is healthy, <laughs> and. Uh, so you, you just start becoming aware of what you're thinking about and you start thinking about the things that um, you, you probably start thinking about the things that you think about most and they start creeping in and say my wife, my relationship. And I think about the amount of what we've gone through together, both good, sad times and happy times and all the full gamut of emotions and stuff. So that becomes a very, very powerful um almost uh, a powerful source for inspiration but the other thing as well is none of this is I don't sit down and try and think up something I get hit over the head with something that I feel compelled I have to visualize or I have to um, do so these pieces the last thing I want to do is come up with an idea and then try and illustrate the idea because if the idea itself, then it be you know your paintings and your imagery then just become illustrations and they're not actually works of art. So when I'm in the middle of doing these, I'm completely lost in them and I've no idea how they're going to turn out when I'm in the middle of it. I get completely lost in them. So some of the the images that I did, there would have been, um, some of them could have had about a hundred or two hundred up. I think the most I had was about well two hundred is not right. I think the most number of images I had for each one would have been about 150 images for one piece and they get layered and pulled in and out as I get into the flow of trying to recall the memory so there's no contrived you know sticking a color here or putting a picture there because I remember this or remember that I got lost in them to the point where I didn't really know what I was doing when I was doing it and I love that when you're in flow um it's like when a musician is improvising and they're just lost in flow all of the learning that they've done all their scales and everything has all it all just coalesces into their flow and they're working and they're gone so with these pieces i wanted to do that as well so i just got lost into it so i don't really sit down and kind of come up with it so just you, you have a kind of an idea of of you get it's like your your muse tells you this I, this thing that you need to do so you go and do it and when you're in the middle of it you don't really know what you're doing so you almost become a conduit for your ideas and a conduit for how inspiration gets i know that can sound a bit kind of contrived at times but it, it, it does happen you know so it's fairly uh and it's wonderful when it's happening the other thing is you don't want to leave it when you're in the middle of flow because when it hits you everything goes away all of your thoughts are just you're almost free floating in this sea of um i don't know what you call it but you, you're just lost in it and it's very enjoyable <laughs> awesome awesome I was, I was gonna go back into that was gonna yeah i was gonna circle back with this one last comment and see what your thoughts are for me you know uh, my goal is not to be happy right it's not to be yeah. unhappy but it's not to be happy it's to be 
fully committed to my commitments. And when I am, then I'm happiest. Yeah. It's like you let go into it, isn't it? And then when you do, you achieve this um, state. And you're right, it, it's not a state of happiness or unhappiness. It's almost just you're, you're, you're present in who you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. It's, it's almost achieving unconsciousness. That's probably why um, humans have spent so much time um, obsessed with alcohol and drugs and uh, meditation and all forms of reaching this state of just being and just that's it. It can sound very um, airy-fairy in some ways, but when you experience it, it's as real as anything, you know? So I want to thank you very much for your time today. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I have one last question. And okay. it's really simple. How can people find out more information about you, about what you do, follow your artwork? How can they do any of that? Okay, so the the exhibition at the moment is with the Kildare Gallery. So that's www.thekildaregallery.ie. I'm also at Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dixon. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. So um, if you look up Jonathan Dixon artist, you'll find a whole pile of stuff about me on the internet. So there's videos as well that where I try to explain kind of what I'm at. So, um, and if anybody wants to reach out and ask me stuff, I'm, I'm more than happy to um, respond to questions. I love kind of meeting and learning from people as well. So, so there you go. So I've really enjoyed this as well. So thank you. Your questions were fantastic. I loved them. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time today. You're very welcome. Okay. Talk again. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.